Inside this episode, we're talking all about prayer. Prayer is so powerful, yet so many of us either don't pray or don't feel like we know how to pray or don't feel like our prayers actually matter or don't know what words to use, or maybe we just don't feel that closeness with the Lord. I am going to invite you to listen to this episode with fresh ears, and I pray that your heart is open, that you get a revelation from listening to this, and that your prayer life changes, that you are able to go boldly to the throne room of God and and pray and feel Him and feel closeness with Him. And I just want to dive in because I know for a long time in my life, I did not know how to pray. It wasn't a part of my life, but my prayer life has radically changed, and I've seen God moving. And I just want to invite you into a deeper revelation of what your prayers are actually doing, what you're called into in Christ, and how to speak words that move heaven. So let's go. Welcome to Your Will Be Done, which basically means, okay, God, I am done doing it my way. I surrender it's your turn to lead. (laughs) This is the show for ambitious Christian women. Maybe you're a mom, a wife, a business owner, a corporate employee, or let's be honest, all of the above. And you're trying to figure out what exactly it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus in modern day life. What does surrendering it all and letting God lead actually mean when you've got bills, responsibility, kids to provide for? Whether you've recently been born again and this whole Christianity thing is brand new to you, or you've been a Christian for years and you want that fresh fire and deeper intimacy with God, and you really wish you had a girlfriend to help you navigate this entirely new and often very countercultural path, hi, that's me. My name is Sarah Petrucci, and I'm a former network marketer turned online mindset and manifestation coach who was radically born again in 2021. My entire identity was wrapped up in work and achievement until Jesus came into my life, changed everything, and made me new. I surrendered it all at his feet, and I'm taking you with me on the real, often messy journey so we can figure it all out together. I won't claim to be an expert, and I'll always tell you to test everything I share by going to your Bible, but God is teaching me a ton, and he is radically transforming my heart and my mind. So I'm sharing all of my revelations, learnings, and real-life lessons with you while also bringing on other guests so you can hear from other women's stories too. If you're hungry to grow in intimacy with God, live a life led by the spirit, and you're not afraid to get a little messy with me as I share the real life journey of following Jesus, then let's do this, sister. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to be talking all about prayer. And I'm going to tell you, you might hear some little voices in the background. My son and my husband are in the other room and it is what it is. It's a busy house around here and I was going to wait on this, but you know what? We're just going to go with it. So today we're going to talk about prayer, something so simple yet so important, so profound, something that's so valuable. Um, It's a gift. It's a, it's a weapon. It's a tool. It's a relationship that God gives us. And so many people ask, and I know I've been there too. So I'm talking about my, myself here how do I pray? You know, I talk to people all the time and they're say, they, they'll say, I don't know how to pray. Um, or does God hear my prayers? Or I'm not even sure what to say to God. I'm not even sure how to pray. And so I want to talk today about how my prayer life has changed. I want to give you some tools um, to enhance your prayer life. I want to talk about some of the revelations that I've had um, around prayer because prayer is really important. And I know a lot of us, we might talk about God. We might learn about God. We might 
talk about praying, but how often do we actually pray? Do you? I'm going to challenge you. And I'll share just my own experience. Growing up, my prayer life was very much focused on routine prayers. I grew up in the Catholic church. I went to Catholic school. I remember going to the priest for confession and I'd be told, you know, go do three Hail Marys and an Our Father. And it was always very um, route, routine. Now, I actually love the Our Father. I think it's really beautiful. And we'll talk about that later in the show. But it wasn't, uh, I didn't say it with any kind of revelation or connection to who I was talking to and what I was speaking about. It was just routine prayer. So that's what I grew up with. Okay. So I didn't really know how to pray. Um, then over the years, as I fell away from my faith, then came back to a church, came back to a Christian church, um, was not Catholic. It was not a Catholic church at that time. I got um, I started praying more, but my prayers were very much self-focused prayers. Um, they were about my needs, my desires, my dreams, my will. And I wasn't reading the Bible at this time. And I also didn't really have a clear revelation of God and his character. And um, I really wouldn't pray that often unless I was looking for breakthrough in an area, unless there was something I wanted, or unless I was in a, a situation where I needed help. Um, so it wasn't something that I thought about routinely. It definitely didn't, it was not a constant in my life. Um, things have changed a lot over the last nine months. And uh, even over the last, I just continually feel like they're improving. Um, but my prayers have become very much more God-focused prayers that actually see breakthrough. Um, now, I know it can be a hard thing. And I just want to preface this whole talk by saying, I know that sometimes you might be contending for something, praying for something, doing everything right, seemingly right. And God doesn't seem to answer your prayers. And that is one of the most, um, that's one of the greatest mysteries that we don't understand on this side of heaven. Um, and so I don't ever want to share things. I just, I hope that you hear my heart in this, that I, I do, I am going to talk about some answered prayers that I've seen, but there's unanswered, there's prayers I have not seen answers to, right? And that's just how it is. And I know that some of you, you may never see the answer to some of your prayers, or maybe some of the things you really prayed for didn't happen. I mean, that can be really challenging. And again, we just have to remember that his ways are higher. Um, he knows what's best. He can see everything that we can't see. So we don't always understand why things don't seem to get answered. But I, I believe and I trust in the Lord's leadership. And I, and I do believe that when we partner with his will and we get um, a deeper revelation of his desires and we begin to pray his will back to him, that things do move. And I do believe that our prayers are very powerful. We're going to talk about that. So prayer, prayer is just talking to God. Prayer is communication. It's communing with God. That's what Jesus died to allow us to do. Okay. Prayer doesn't start with a list. It starts with a person and a place. This is from the Our Father, actually. When we look and when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, which they didn't ask him how to, to teach them how to do anything really else, but teach them how to pray. They admired his prayer life and they wanted to know what he was doing. And what did he do? He started with a person and a place. Our Father who's in heaven, on the throne in heaven. So a person and a place. That's what we need to first connect with when we go into prayer, that who we are talking to, who is that. And we need a revelation of that. I pray for a deeper revelation to know him. Um, and, and the more that we can realize we're talking to a person who is above all, um, and, and where they're, where they are and the authority they have and what they've, the authority that they've given into us to actually come boldly to the throne room to speak to them. That's, that's that revelation right there is the very first thing we need to get. Um, before I started this talk, I was actually praying on what God wanted me to talk about this week. 
but I've seen a lot of breakthrough in my prayer life recently. And so I just thought, man, I really want to speak about prayer. Um, but it's funny, I, as I was preparing and thinking what do I wanted to share, um, I looked into the notes section of my phone and I just typed in prayer because I wanted to see if there's any notes or any revelations I'd written down. And I found something from March 7th, I wrote down and I was first like, did I write this? <laughs> but it was in my phone right there. And it said, I want to cry Christ's tears of sorrow and feel his love burst forth uh, to groan the deep groans of God over the world, to smile with total joy and excitement as the spirit prays out his dreams and desires through me and to speak boldly as he fights off the enemy, ruining his schemes. And I was like, "Woo, dang. I was like, I wrote that. <laughs> but you know what? I, I do. The more that I get caught up in God's bigger story and the more that I just go deeper into the revelation of who he is, I pray for my heart to break for the things that God's heart breaks for. I pray to love the things that he loves. I pray to hate the things he hates. Um, and what happened over time for me as I'm praying these types of prayers is that my desires change into his desires. My visions and dreams are getting more into alignment with what his visions and dreams are. Do you know that the fullness of God's desire is to take everything in heaven and on earth and to make them one? That's his ultimate desire. That's what was in the garden in the very beginning. And that is what the whole story of the Bible is about. It's about bringing us back to the garden. That's where we end the story. And so <clears throat> we see a lot of divide in the church today. There's a ton of divide. Actually, I heard recently there's 41,000 different denominations. That's wild. I'm like trying to think like, I can't only think of like, I don't even know a handful. Um, but what unites us, what's interesting is what unites us, prayer and worship, music especially, because it moves people in a way that just supersedes many things. Prayer and worship unites. We, we've seen this, um, different denominations come together over music, different denominations come together over prayer. I was even thinking about this. How many times, you know, even someone who's not necessarily a believer, if you offered to pray for them, oftentimes people are going to accept that prayer. They're going to say, yes, you can pray for me. Prayer is a unifier. Prayer is a, is a power, powerful thing. Okay. And so a lot of us think that we can't pray. Um, or we think there's like a right way to do it, or we have to have this specific strategy or like know all this like secret way to do it, or that we're not right with God enough to actually pray, or that we have to go to someone else who's more spiritual than us to be able to actually have our prayers answered. Um, I think of like, I think it's Exodus. I want to say it's around 34. Um, check for yourself where exactly what chapter, but it's the whole story of when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and the people are, he goes up to speak with God and the people are afraid and the people actually are like, no, 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 Moses, you go, you go, go for us. Right. They, they're like, you be the one that talks to him. And I think about the old Testament temple of God and how the high priest was the one, the only one who could go and be the intercessor between the people and, and God. And he would go into the, the deepest place that the most, the Holy of Holies, the like third realm, basically of the temple where God's presence in the tabernacle really was. And he was that intercessor. And so he would be the one that did the sacrifices and, you know, came out to the people. And then we had Jesus come onto the scene, right? And Jesus came to became our, and became our great intercessor, the true mediator, the true connection. And through him, we are seated, the true connection between human and God, right? And through him, we are seated in heavenly places. And because of what he did on the cross, because of what he did for us, we have full access to the father, to the throne room of God through Christ. Like let that sink in. And I was just, you know, I'm in a course right now where we're really diving deep into revelation four and five, which is the throne room of God. And in revelation four, 
the people, the elders are sitting, they're seated, they're seated. People don't sit in the presence of God. In the Bible, people fall on their face. <laughs> people are trembling, um, but they're seated with authority in the throne room. And that is where we're called to be when we are in Christ, is we are seated in heavenly places. We are seated with him on the throne. Um, so we can come boldly to the throne of God with our prayers and our words matter to God. He died for closeness with us. When Jesus died, the veil in that temple that separated those things, it tore. He tore the veil. He sent his spirit to take up residence inside of you, inside of you. You are the dwelling place of God. Now you are the temple of God. We are called a royal priesthood. I actually have it up here. Let me see. I got to read it so I get it right. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of he who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. 1 Peter 2, 9. I have a picture of that on my wall. I love that. But we are called a royal priesthood. Do you know what the first job of a priest is? It's to minister to God and it's to pray to God and to speak to God and then to be that in between, that mediator, that intercessor between the people and God. That is intercession. And we are called, we are all called as believers into that ministry. Yet many believers don't pray. Why? 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 <clears throat> I think there's a few different reasons. I was brainstorming. Number one, I think pride is a big thing. Pride and self-sufficiency. We think that we've got it all. We think that we've got it. The world tells us that we've got to do it all ourselves, that we've got to take care of us. We've got to do you, you know, all these things. And there's a lot of this self-sufficient independence um, nature around just humanity. And so we don't go to God until we're basically at our rock bottom moment. We don't even think because we think we got to figure it out all our, on our own. Or sometimes let me, this is false humility, false humility, maybe appearing as pride. It's the opposite. It's when we don't think our problems are big enough to go to God. So we're like, well, I'm not going to bother him with that because, you know, he doesn't care about my things. No. Yes, he does. Um, so that's one. Um, idols. We seek other things besides God to help us. Anything that you seek over God is an idol, okay? And that can be self as well, but it can be any modality, anything, any person, any whatever that you're looking for for help other than God. So we seek other things in this world besides going to our Father who gave us access, who rules over all who we can speak to. We don't do it. Um, another reason I think is unbelief. I think we lack a proper view, a deep revelation of God. I think that it becomes white noise over time, especially if you've been in, you know, in your faith for a while that we just kind of get blase about it. And we need to go back. We need to remember who he is. We need to look at the Bible. We need to have maybe listen to a new person's perspective. Maybe we need to get around some people. We need to pray for the spirit of revelation to hit us because we need a fresh view of God. And I think another thing with unbelief is that we don't really know what he wants. And when we read the Bible, it becomes clear. It becomes, you know, uh, just clear what his will is. And I think a lot of us will, you know, and I'm guilty of this. I've asked for healing for people before and I've come to God saying, God, if it's your will, will you heal them? Well, it's always his will to heal. If you look in the Bible, you'll see that Jesus never turned anybody away from healing. He never said, nope, sorry, it's not my will to heal. No, every single person, it was his will to heal. So we need to come boldly and believe and have faith that that is his will. Okay. Now we might not always see, again, we might not always see everything that we ask for to be done and everyone to be healed, unfortunately. And I don't understand why, right? That's the mystery of God. 
we might not see it on the side of heaven. And again, I don't know why, but I do know that we need to hold on to our belief. Everything we do in our faith, in the Christian like faith, has to do with belief, has to do with faith. So you pray with faith and belief that it is his will. Okay. It will be done. We have to hold on to that. Okay. Um, I think another thing is we lack a revelation of our identity as royal priests. Hebrews 3 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, we share in the heavenly calling. Thoughtfully and attentively consider the apostle and the high priest, capital meaning Jesus, whom we confessed as our, whom we confessed when we accepted him as Savior, namely Jesus. So um, we don't, I think we don't think that we are worthy of acting in this way. We don't see ourselves as this. We don't realize that we are called into the ministry of intercession. We don't realize that we are actually able to come boldly to God, that we are, um, that's literally what, what we are, you know? Uh, I think another thing is we don't realize the impact of our prayers. This was a big revelation I've had recently as I just thinking about how God hides powerful things as seemingly apparent, seemingly appearing weak things on earth. Okay. God hides power in seemingly weak looking things. So prayer can look very weak fasting can look very weak. In fact, it does. It makes us weak. But when we do things that look weak, we're actually activating power in the spiritual heavenly realm. Okay. So we need to get a new image of prayer. God has shown me visions when I'm praying. I I now picture it as like these, you know, if I'm praying for breakthrough, if I'm praying off demonic strongholds, if I'm praying for someone to be, um, you know, praying against the enemy's schemes, I actually see visions of my prayers going up like swords. And I, and I think about the words that I'm declaring as just like, like killing off the enemy's plans and attacks and just like, boom, boom, boom in the spiritual realm, right? We have to visualize that power. Um, I think about when we're praising God and we're, and we're submitting our requests, like we're submitting our worship or adoration, like our prayers go up and float up to heaven like incense and they just create this aroma and they create this fragrance to in the throne room of God. Um, and I really believe that the battle is won in the spiritual realm before we see our prayers actually manifest in the physical realm. So I believe that we have to actually get the battle won in the spiritual before we see it happen in the natural. And I, this reminds me of Daniel, the book of Daniel, when he's praying and fasting for 21 days. And then later when, um, I think it's Archangel, Michael, is it Michael or Gabriel? Michael shows up and was basically like, I've been fighting this principality in the spiritual realm for these last 21 days. And now here I am to give you this message. And it's like, what if he had stopped early? You know, there was this whole battle going on in the spiritual that he didn't know, but his prayers were working that and they were working on his behalf to bring him this revelation, this message, this vision. So you just have to think about like, there's a whole another realm going on that we can't see, but our prayers are activating that and heaven is moving on our behalf and we are breaking strongholds of the enemy and we are attacking schemes of the devil. And we don't know what's going on, but there are angels and, and God himself and Jesus is interceding for us on the throne. Like that's, it's pretty powerful. So <clears throat> I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus is in full-time ministry right now. <laughs> like He's not here on earth anymore, right? The Holy Spirit is here with us, but Jesus is on the throne and he is in intercession. He is praying on our behalf to the Father. So is the Holy Spirit. You know, we're told in Romans 8 that when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit prays on our behalf and Jesus prays on our behalf. So we have two, two of the three of the Trinity praying on our behalf. Like prayers matter and and our words activate this, okay? One thing I, I would really suggest is starting a prayer journal. Write down the things that you're really contending for, that you're praying for, and then write down when your prayers get answered, because this builds your faith. And this is something you can come back to later when you are not feeling very 
confident in maybe your prayers or you're not seeing an answer and you can remember what he's done. Okay. Um, so what does God want? What is God's will for my life? That is such a common question. And I've asked it so many times myself. I know a lot of us do, but friend, do you know what God wants? Do you know what God really, really wants? He wants intimacy with you. He wants closeness with you. He is not satisfied with living in a tabernacle in a, in a temple. He's not satisfied. Even, you know, Jesus came to earth and that was God walking with us, tabernacling with us. God came down to heaven and earth, literally, but that wasn't even good enough. He wants to be in us. He gives us his spirit to live and dwell in us. So he wants closeness with you. Yes. He wants all of you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear what's on your mind. He wants you to speak to him about what's on your heart, what's on your mind, what's going on in your life. And yes, he knows everything. So sometimes we're like, but he already knows he does. But when you speak it to him, you invite him in, you invite him in to help. You invite him in to heal, to cleanse, to transform and to deal with it. And there's just one thing I want to say is that there's no wrong way to pray. That is a lie from the devil. And that is a spirit of religion. There's no wrong way to pray. God just wants relationship. Sometimes we might fumble over our words in the beginning. We might even go to him and say, you know, I don't even know how to do this, God, but I'm just going to speak what's on my heart. He loves that. And he, 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 yes. And the more that you read the word, the more that you immerse yourself in the Bible, I'm going to talk about praying the Bible back to God. That is powerful. The more that you'll get his words on the inside of you and they become words you speak back to him. Um, But there's no wrong way to pray pour your heart out to heart out to him and he is listening. Okay. God just wants relationship with you. So let's take the example of a spouse for a minute. Okay. If you never spoke to your spouse, how close would you be? (laughs) If you only ever spoke to your spouse when you were in need of something or when life hit you really hard, how would that marriage last? If you did all the talking and never listened, how would that go? And if you only showed up to spend time with him when you felt like it, when you felt like it, or if you only acknowledged him when he did something for you, how would that other person feel? God is personal. God has emotions. God has a, God has a holy jealousy for our affection and our emotions come from him. We are made in his image. He is fiery, passionate, compassionate, jealous for your love. He weeps. He longs. He has mercy. He has sorrow. He delights. He loves. And he wants to communicate with you. Prayer is just communication. It's just talking. And there is no relationship without talking. You can't. You could sit on the couch next to your spouse for years and watch TV. How close are you going to be? Right? Okay. So I want to share just a couple keys from my own personal life that have been really helpful for me. Some of these things are things that have been revelations that have helped some changes in my prayer life. Um, things that have just, yeah, changed for me over, over time as I've grown in my walk with the Lord. Number one is humility and recognizing poverty of spirit. Okay. I've been studying the sermon on the Mount, Matthew five through seven, more and more in depth recently. And Jesus says it's his first big sermon. It's his first teaching. Um, and this is for, this is for people who are already believers. So he's speaking to people who are already believers, um, or have been, it's not about converting. It's about teaching them how to actually live the lifestyle of the kingdom and live the lifestyle of love for him. So he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
So poverty in spirit and humility in our prayer is admitting that we need God. It's realizing we have nothing to offer him and we need his help. I will tell you, I don't even know. I think just out of pure literal desperation, I innately prayed these things to God or I prayed this way to God when I was starting my journey with him. And I'm going to give you some examples because these, I saw God move and I had to really reflect on like, what was it? It was humility and poverty of spirit. Okay. So when I first had Jesus show up in my life and I was like, okay, God, who are you? All right, Jesus, who are you? If we're going to do this whole thing, I need to know you. I don't know how to love you. I don't know how to receive love. I don't know how to love. And I literally told him that I said, I don't even know you. I don't know where to start. I don't know how to love you. I have a lot of walls up and I know I need your help. Can you help me? And just giving him the whole like reality of like, I don't even know how to do this. I think you could do this with prayer. God, I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know what to say. It's like admitting that you know nothing and God loves that. He will fill you. He will answer. He will show up. Um, he broke the walls down for me. He poured his love into my heart. He allowed me to receive and he allowed me to experience love. I was like, whoa, thank you, God. (laughs) But it was because I came to him really like, I don't even know where to start. And I think so many of us let that hold us back from coming to him because we think I don't even know where to start. So we don't do anything. No, no, no. Go to him and tell him that, that you don't even know where to start. You don't know how to do this. Um, when I was studying the sermon on the Mount and I'm reading the lifestyle of that, I'm like, wow, God, this is hard. Like this sounds hard. This sounds intense. And it it is because in our flesh, we can't actually live that out. We need the Holy spirit to do it. But literally if, when you, the deeper you fall in love with God, the more you want to live his ways. So I go to him and I say, God, I don't, I don't know how to do this. This is counter every way I've ever lived my whole life. This is countercultural. This is counter my normal fleshly ways, my natural ways. I was a very selfish person and I am by nature. And so it's like, I, but I want to, so I have the desire, but I realize I cannot do it without your help and God will do, God will help you. That is literally what he does with the spirit. He will enable you. Same thing happened when I was convicted on giving up drinking. I had this whole morning that was just filled with like tears and like realizing this was a generational curse that we are breaking here. And I just said, God, you know, this is the one thing I never wanted to be convicted on because I like alcohol. I like socially drinking. I definitely never thought I could. I, I was the girl that I might have said this on another podcast, but every 21 days of prayer and fasting in my church, I'd give up wine and I would struggle with it so hard or I would try to make excuses like, well, maybe it's just like wine in the house. But if I go out to dinner, I can do it. Literally, as soon as the 21 days were up, I'd be out buying wine like right away, like not even to the full 24 hours. It was like that Sunday evening. It's like, oh, we're done. I str- like I have some alcoholic tendencies. Okay. So just being real. Um, when he convicted me on this, I went to him and I said, listen, God, I love you. And if you want me to give this up, which I believed it was because of a protection, I I was experiencing some warfare. And I think that the devil has, that's a way where he was going to try to get in. And God was telling me at this time, we're going to cut that off. And so I went to him and I just said, I cannot do this on my own. I know myself. I cannot. So if you are asking me to do this, God, I say yes, but I need your help. I have had supernatural help. The desire has been taken away. It's been almost four months now and I'm giving him all the glory. This is not me. Okay. So that's what I mean by humility and poverty of spirit in our prayers, coming to him and saying, I cannot do this. I need your help. Okay. The second thing that's been huge that I think is so powerful that a lot of us Maybe you do, maybe you don't do. I'd love to hear from you. Praying God's word back to God. Praying the Bible back to God. So the Bible is his perfect will. It is his word. 
Um, and the more that we get caught up in his vision, his dreams, his bigger story, or even just his commands and his promises, and then we pray those back to God, he answers those prayers. Okay. Um, power is released when God's word is spoken back to God and it's coming into agreement with God. I want you to look these up. There's two that are really, really powerful. They're actually apostolic prayers that were given in the word that are very powerful to pray back. And I make these almost a daily prayer. Ephesians one and Ephesians three. Um, I don't have Ephesians. Hold on one second. I do have it somewhere. I have it right here actually. Ephesians 1, 17 through 22. I can read you my version. I wrote it out as a prayer for myself personally. It says, Father, I want to know the hope of your calling. Pour your spirit of wisdom and revelation upon me so that I may know him better, Jesus. Holy Spirit, open the eyes of my heart so that I may be enlightened and know, truly experientially know the riches of your glorious inheritance that you have given me and help me know the power, your incomparably great power for me by your spirit in me to know and deeply experientially, yeah, I want to experience it, um, your same power that raised Christ from the dead, that he lives in me and rules over all. So that's the Ephesians 1, 17 through 22 prayer. And my husband wrote it out a little bit different, but go look that up in your Bible and pray it back to God because having the spirit of wisdom and revelation fall upon you is everything. The spirit of revelation is, okay, so when God reveals God to the human spirit, it's amazing. That's what the spirit of revelation is. And that's how you get a deeper um, revelation of who he is. You get a deeper revelation of the word. The word comes to life. You have these like amazing things that pop up in your mind. It's just, it's awesome. It's the work of the Holy spirit and it'll make you on fire. The second one that I love, I actually have this printed on my wall. Um, I, you can download it on Etsy. There's some really cool pictures and canvases and stuff, but it's Ephesians three, 14 through 21 prayer. Um, and so this one is, I wrote out, um, Heavenly Father, I come before you and I pray that out of the glorious riches that you, out of your glorious riches, that you strengthen me with the power through your Holy Spirit in my inner being, so that Jesus Christ may dwell in my heart. Precious Holy Spirit, root me and establish me in love and allow me to know, deeply experientially know and grasp how wide and how deep and how long and how high the love of Christ Jesus is and to know and experience his love for me that surpasses understanding and fill me to the measure of all of the love and fullness of God. Okay. Those are powerful prayers. And you might be saying, well, that doesn't sound like what I normally pray. Like that's not asking for like all the things I want in my day or like protection for my family. Because honestly, if we start by being rooted and established in him and the identity of ourselves in him, and we have his love rolling our hearts and we have his, who he is. Like, honestly, a fresh revelation of Jesus will solve 10,000 lesser problems. It just does. So we need that first. So it's very, very powerful. Okay. Um, so that's praying the word back to God. You can do this with any part of scripture. You can do this with the Psalms. The Psalms are actually all prayers. So you can, what I like to do is I read a section of the Bible and if it's resonating with me, turn it into a prayer and say it back to God. The other thing you can do is you can call God out on his promises. <laughs> so in prayer, the more that you learn the word, you can say, um, you know, Matthew six or seven, whenever, wh- right. When Jesus is talking about how he says, do not worry about your life for what you will wear, what you'll eat, look at the birds. I take care of them, all the things. So if you're in a season of stress or anxiety or worry, you can actually say, God, you know, you promise 
me not to worry about my life. You promise that you will take care of me. How much more precious am I, am I than the flowers and the birds to you? You promised that God. And so I trust you on that. And you can call him, like not call him out, but like call him up on his promises and pray those back and ask for that supernatural peace to, to flood your heart. And that's really powerful. Um, another one that I like to do is um, Jesus's prayer in John 17, 24. This is one of my favorite verses lately. It's just like completely wrecked me. It's Jesus right before he's about to die. He's praying to the father, one of his last prayers, and it's in front of the disciples and it's for you. It's for us. And he prays to the father and says, father, I desire that right there. I desire that those that you've given me, that they may be with me where I am and behold my glory. And then he goes on to talk about that. The love that you have for me may be in them. Um, and so I pray that back and I say, you know, Jesus, you say you desire that I, that, that I'm with you where you're am. Well, I desire that as well. You know, I want to behold your glory. I want to be with you where you are. I want to feel closeness with you. So we're coming into agreement with God's word. That is powerful. And he will answer those prayers. So turn the Bible back into prayer. If you don't know what to, what to pray. Um, I've done this with the armor of God as well. You know, the armor of God in Ephesians six, when I was going through spiritual warfare, I, I turned the whole basically the whole book of Ephesians, I would read a section and then I would say, father, you say this, 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 help me with this, 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 like you can turn it back into prayer. Okay. Um, so you can see here, we're not only talking to God about our needs, but we're talking with praise and with longing for him with adoration. And we can do this all day long. This is pray without ceasing. We can do this throughout our day, just giving him, just talking to him, talk to him in your car. If something good happens. Thank him. Um, you know, just little things that you can say throughout your day to acknowledge him. You have a relationship, like the Holy spirit lives in you. And so do you ever acknowledge him? Do you ever speak to him? He's there to help you. He's the teacher. He's the comforter. He's the peace giver. He's the love giver. He's the one that leads you into all truth. Um, he's the one that reveals Jesus. He makes the father and Jesus real to us. So we, we can, we should, and we can talk to him all the time. Okay. The other thing is that, um, asking God what, what he wants or what's on his heart. <laughs> Again, I kind of just talked about this with John 17, 24. Um, and I said, you know, I've already said this to you that 10,000 lesser problems are solved with Jesus. So if we can just get a deeper revelation of him that can fix so many things, it just takes us above all of the other issues of life. Okay. Not that they're not important, but you're just, your perspective completely changes. And again, he wants closeness with us. That's what he wants. He wants closeness with us. He wants to restore the garden of Eden. Okay. And another thing that's really huge is the revelation of partnership. So God is not a dictator. Okay. He invites us into heavenly places seated with him in him to co-labor with him, to bring his kingdom down. The, our father is literally like your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay. We are invited to co-labor. We're not, he's not looking at us as slaves, but eternal spouses to co-labor and to partner in his work here on earth. We are literally the hands and feet and the voice of Jesus here on earth to carry out his plans and his purposes, him through us, through the power of his spirit in us. So he invites us to partner with him through our words, through our prayers, and then to release his power into this world. That is huge. So we need to get a revelation of that partnership. Okay. Um, the other thing that, uh, the revelation that I, I kind of shared this already, but the revelation of the power of prayer, the secret weapon that he gives us, right. It's not secret, but a lot of us don't always do it. Um, it looks 
it looks often like we're just talking to the air maybe, or that nothing's really happening in the physical, but it's mighty. And our prayers actually can shake the heavens. They pull, they can pull on God. They can create miracles. They can fight demons off. They bring supernatural breakthrough in our lives. They can break chains. Um, so we need to just get a revelation of our prayers as this supernatural, powerful thing that's happening that we can't see, but it's like, whoosh, it's power. Okay. And then one of the big things that I want to encourage you to do, if you don't already, is to start receiving in prayer. Okay. Prayer time, again, prayer, we always think of it as just our list, but prayer is just communicating with God. Okay. Prayer is not only speaking to God, it's actually receiving from God. It's a two-way conversation. And when this starts to happen in your life, it is amazing. Okay. And he wants this. So I'm going to encourage you after you say what you want or your needs or your prayers to sit and to soak in his presence, to meditate on him, to meditate maybe on the word, to ask him what's on his heart. That's one of the things I do. I say, okay, Lord, what's on your heart today? Jesus, what's on your heart today? Holy Spirit, reveal to me what's on the heart of God today. Um, And allow him then to fill in the answers or ask him questions about the Bible. If you're reading something and you don't understand it, Holy Spirit, what does this mean? Can you, can you expand on this for me? That's literally what he's there to do. I mean, I had this question with a lot of the things in in like supernatural stuff. I was learning about gifts. I was learning about, you know, the prayer language and baptism of the Holy spirit and praying in tongues. And some of that, I had some false doctrine or I had some things I was a little scared of. And I asked him, I said, you know what, who, who better to ask, you know, we can go Google, we can see all the, everyone's going to have a different opinion. But if we just ask the Holy spirit to reveal to him, the gifts and what he mean, what he wants for us. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. I asked him about it. I said, show me about this. If it's from you, I want it. If it's not, I don't help me understand. Is this real? Is this not help me understand? And he did. So ask him. Okay. And sit and listen. Um, when we do this, we'll get words from God. We'll get visions from God. We'll get promises from God. We may have the scripture come to life in a new way. He, God reveals himself and, and answers in differently for everybody. So I don't want to say like, you're, you're going to see visions. You're going to no. everybody's different. I don't know what you're going to see or hear or whatever. Um, some people are seers. Some people are hearers. Some people don't have those kinds of things. Some people might have a physical manifestation. Some people don't. Everybody's different. Okay. He knows what we need, but he's there. Um, and he wants to communicate with all of us. Okay. That is part of your inheritance as a child of God. Um, and those kinds of things that when we get those, those answers back or those words back, or even a vision back or a picture back or whatever, or scripture that comes to life back, those are power because those help fuel our future prayer life, um, and help us hold on to faith. So if something doesn't make sense in the Bible, like I said, ask Holy Spirit. If something doesn't make sense in your life and you want to know about it, ask Holy Spirit. Scripture promises that he will lead you into all truth. He is the great teacher and we have him with us always. So how often do you talk to the Holy Spirit? I never did. I will be really honest. I didn't know that I could just talk directly to the Holy Spirit for a really long time. I didn't. So I never did. And then I read this book about it and it was about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And they said, all about this. And I started doing it and he started answering and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. So anyways, he's there. Um, here's an example. This is kind of a personal, this is really personal, but I'm just going to share it. Um, God showed me this vision for, he showed me a vision. I'm not going to get into all the details of it, of salvation for a particular group of people. And I saw this vision of Jesus opening the heavens over them and literally pulling them up, bringing them up to himself and bringing them up into the throne room of heaven through himself. Now that vision, I was crying my eyes out when I saw it in prayer. And you can bet that I hold on to that. 
I hold on to that vision. I hold on to that promise and I believe for it and I pray for it and I contend for it. And and I believe that that promise is going to happen. I don't know when, but I'm going to keep praying for it. I'm going to keep believing for it. And I'm going to say, you know, I start to pray back, Jesus, you're going to do it. Okay. So that's the power of like receiving things from God is that then we hold on to those. So some key takeaways. We're getting close to the end. Key takeaways. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Talk to Jesus. They're a person. God's a person. Okay. He's a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. They're there with you and in you and desiring you. And it may feel funny at first if you're not used to it. That's okay. Tell him that. He knows it. He loves you. He doesn't. He's fine. You you can't surprise him with anything. Okay. You can't mess it up. Um, Just spill your heart out, your worship, your praise, your worries, your desires. Ask about his. Ask about his. Okay. It's not about how loud or how emotional you feel. God made us image bearers and he created us through his spoken word. So we have to remember that he made us to reflect him. And so we also move heaven and we can win wars in the spiritual when we show that then show in the physical realm and the tangible reality through our words. So he's a creator through word. He spoke the word world into existence. We're his image bearers created in his image. We have power through our word as well. We can curse people with our words. We can condemn people with our words. We can move heaven with our words. And so we have to remember that our words are powerful. Um, Sometimes prayer has no words. That's another thing. (laughs) So flip it. Sometimes prayer is no words. Sometimes there's tears. Tears are liquid prayer. Sometimes we're crying the tears of Christ. Tears, God, that moves God as well. Travail is another thing. If you want to Google what that is, it's like when you're literally like almost like having like contraction style, like just like groans or like prayer that has no words. Tongues, prayer that it has words, but you don't always, you don't always understand the meaning of it, but God does. Um, Romans eight, go look at Romans eight. When we don't know what to pray, it talks about how the spirit prays through utterances and groanings too deep for us to even understand or to, to even have words for. Um, I, I told, I said this already, but Jesus is in full-time ministry right now, praying as our great intercessor and we're called to be like him. So you are called into the ministry of intercession and prayer. Okay. He is sovereign. God is sovereign, but our words actually matter to him. And he chooses to partner with us. He chooses, God chooses weak human vessels to partner with him to bring things forth. So our prayers do move God. They can move God. They can bring, they can pull on him. You know, there's so many things like David, all these people that like moved God and then God moved on their behalf. Okay. And so I just want to close with a couple of big revelations that I've had recently. First things first, these kind of relate to prayer, kind of just some things I want to share. Number one, I was studying the Sermon on the Mount, like I said, and this was the first big sermon that Jesus preached on how to live the lifestyle of loving God. And it's not easy. It's tough teaching, right? But one of the biggest revelations I had about God is that God is not giving us these strict rules to follow and this way to live that seems impossible, this impossible standard to be some harsh, strict dad who wants to take all of our fun away. No, a holy God desires his number one desire, his dream is to be really intimate with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to flood us with his love, his spirit, his joy, his peace, but he cannot come close when we are in sin because a holy God and sin don't mix. They cannot, they're not compatible. So he asks us to live holy because he loves us so much and wants closeness with us. His, his asking us to live this way is his desire out of closeness with us. He also knows what's best for us. And so when we can get a clear revelation of him and his beauty and how amazing his presence is, 
We want that too. So when we desire closeness with him, we want to live holy lives. And also we go, but how, how that seems really impossible to even live that standard. Right. Cause it is impossible to live that in our own flesh in our natural way, which is why he gives us the greatest gift, which is his spirit in us. I don't think we all take hold of the Holy Spirit's power as much as we we need to, because it literally has the power to overcome everything. We need to pray. We need to study the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of I don't know why church doesn't talk about that more. I just watched an amazing sermon last night on it. I was like having like all kinds of, I mean, there was a whole experience that happened in this bedroom right here. But if you want to watch it, let me know. But we need to like let the Spirit have more of us to to give us the power to actually live this out, and He will. It's supernatural. He gives us the power to do it when we ask. Okay. How much more would the father give of the Holy spirit to those who ask Luke 11 something, go look it up. Okay. So the more that we realize God's motives, his heart motives and how they're fueled by this passionate love and this longing to be close with us, the more that we are undone by that revelation and his love for us, the more we seek righteousness. And then the more he fills us to give us the ability to actually do that, the more we become one and heaven is available on earth. That is the whole purpose. That is what God is after. That is what fuels his heart. That's where this whole story is going. But we have the ability to experience that now because we have the ability for, because we have him in us. That is a huge, like, miracle. Okay. It's a miracle that we don't explode, that we have the Holy Spirit living in us. So pray, friends, daily for the spirit of revelation to fall upon you. Because when God reveals God to the human spirit, there's nothing else like it. There's nothing else like it light bulbs explode inside, like fire explodes in your heart. And we get the joy of, of having those experiences forever because God never, we never, we cannot, if we are bored, no, we need to pray for a fresh revelation because God is eternal. And there are four living creatures in heaven who are constantly filled with eyes, beholding him for eternity, never getting bored of looking at him. What is he doing? That's wowing them going, holy, holy, holy Lord, God, God almighty 24 seven all the time for eternity. If we're not having those kinds of experiences where we're in awe and like sometimes undone and sometimes brought to our knees and just like, wow, then we need to pray for that because we are missing out. <laughs> just being real. Number two, um, a life of deep closeness and connection with God comes from a life of repentance. Repentance is a gift. Now, this is something that I would have never said in the past or really understood. Repentance means to turn away from our old ways and to turn towards God. Okay. So I, I want closeness with God. That's one of my greatest desires. I've experienced a touch of him and I'm like, whew, you experienced that you want more. So I pray to live holier and I pray for his help because I know I need a lot of help. Okay. So pray to the Holy spirit. This is what I do. Anyways, I pray to the Holy spirit to reveal sin, to reveal sin, to reveal areas where I'm, you know, where areas that are hindering intimacy with him. And he will bring to light those things in a loving and compassionate in a gentle way. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He will always bring it to you in love in compassion. And then you confess it. And then you are made as clean as Jesus is when you repent in him. The father sees you as Jesus. When you are in him, you put on his righteousness. You, you put on his white robes, right? Like he in, in this beautiful, there is such a beauty over like being convicted and turning away and then being filled with him. Like it's so amazing. So if you desire a close, real relationship with God, start by praying for him to show you areas of sin, confess, repent, and watch how he floods you with his presence. It's glorious. 
So I seek to be cut now because it's actually like awesome. Like I love to actually be made aware of the areas that I need to repent because it's freeing. Um, often if, you know, if there are tears, it's freeing, it's cleansing and he breaks up our hardened hearts and he pours his love into our hearts. And there is nothing like that feeling in the world. Okay. And honestly, that is God's dream to have unity with humans and he can do anything, but we also have influence on our closeness by our prayers, by our repentance, by our actions, by our lifestyles, and to continually discipline ourselves, to put him first, to trust the rewards of knowing him is worth it. And it is. So just kind of looking at the, our father, I mentioned, I was going to mention this, the, our father is a model for prayer. And it's actually a revival prayer, I've realized. So we start with adoration, right? We're looking at the person and the place. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's his will, longing for him. That's a revival prayer. That's saying, come Lord Jesus, we want you to come back. We want heaven on earth. We know that your leadership is perfect. And then we pray for our daily needs or his leading or him as provider. You know, give us this day our daily bread. He knows what we need, but he asks that we ask him and he promises to provide Matthew six or is it seven? He promises to provide for his children. We are promised that go read that promise. Um, also though, it's funny. I was thinking about this recently. It says, give us his day or daily bread, but Jesus is the bread of life. So it's kind of like, give us him. He's the solution. <laughs> and then we go into forgiveness. Forgiveness is huge. I'm not going to touch too much on that in this one, but forgive, um, forgive people, forgive us, we ask for forgiveness for ourselves and for others. He gives us mercy. And so we show mercy. That's also part of the sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the merciful for they will obtain mercy. Um, we can only give mercy to the extent that we have the revelation of how much mercy we've been given. So when you realize where you were before God and how he saved you from that, you're able to extend mercy to other people more. And that's what we're called to do. And then we ask to help have him help us avoid temptation which less sin, less sin equals more of God's presence. You want to have more of God's presence in your life. You want to be closer with him. You want to hear him. You want to feel him. You want to know him more, less sin. Okay. So more Holy spirit having us pray for that. Um, and then protection from the enemy. So that's the, our father broken down in closing. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> I just want to share with you and invite you into some vision for revival and join me in revival praying. I have had the spirit of intercession kind of fall upon me and just revival. This vision for revival has really become real. Um, my current prayers are very much marked by revival praying. I believe God can come in and overtake cities, regions with his manifest presence. He's done it in the past. And I want to see the mass glorification of Jesus Christ. And I think that we are really in need of that right now. I believe that God is preparing bodies to house his glory. He is waking people up. He's pulling them out of the darkness. He's radically saving people. He's having people turn from their ways, especially the new age and turn to holiness and desiring that he's preparing us to house his glory. And the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, prayer, fasting, poverty of spirit, mourning, longing, living holy, hungering for righteousness. That is, that is preparing us. That is preparing us to be able to contain the glory he showed me a vision of this. He showed me a vision of himself working on, it was actually an interesting vision recently of cars and Jesus is working on these cars. And I realized it was a body shop. And he said, he's preparing bodies. He's healing bodies and hearts and preparing them for his glory to come. And we have these signs of the times happening that, you know, or happened that are talked about in scripture. We see it and it all points to it happening again in our churches, in our cities, in our regions, in our nations. Like we are primed. The world needs Jesus. <laughs> We have Joel 2 
and um and and Peter in Acts 2 promises that God's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh before the great and awesome coming of the Lord. So before the real big end time revelation of Jesus coming, okay? We need a greater revelation of Jesus Christ in our churches. Period. And when I had this hit me cuz I experienced when I studied revival, I realized I experienced a personal revival. And when that hit me, everything changed. Everything changed. Like I came alive, okay? <laughs> God put, put this spirit of intercession in me lately that I told you I cannot shake it. Like I pray for the mass glorification of Jesus among my family, my city, my church, my region, and nations. Jesus reigns when God opens heaven and his, his coming, he is coming, he is coming in power and glory. And that comes with the outpouring of his spirit. So big revival starts with personal revival. So I just want to invite you to pray for personal revival. If you're not already in that, pray for it. Um, these are times of personal refreshing conviction, personal revival. Like I said, it's when God pours open his, or outpours his spirit on you, baptism of the Holy spirit. Um, this is what I experienced last September. And then there's also been like incremental times more than that since I feel like there was another one last night that happened. There was I'm not going to get into all that, but something happened. And what this looks like is deep conviction. First off, this is not, oh man, I feel sorry about that. I really got to stop doing that. No, no, no. This is like a deep sense of conviction and a holy fear of God, a, a, res a restoration of his reverence and his reality and his preeminence and his, his, his King, like how, how mighty he is in a beautiful way. And it becomes so real. So made real to you that outside of the mercy of Jesus, you will fall into hell. You're like, Oh my goodness. I've been dating the devil. That's what happened to me. That's what I realized. And it's not condemnation. It's conviction. It's clean. It's pure. And it's, it's motivated through love and it's beautiful. Eternity becomes real to you. That opens up to your soul. Your perspective changes to a heavenly, more eternal perspective. And this is not something that we can make up on our own. We can't actually conjure this up, but we can pray for it. It is the work of the Holy Spirit but I believe that we can pray for it. Luke 11 actually says that we can pray for it. How much more would the father give of the Holy spirit to those who ask, who ask. So we can pray for a greater revelation of Jesus. God loves to flex his son and break into dark hours of human history in our lives and silence all of the other narratives, the convos, the opinions, and just go, have you seen my son? And that will just change your life. Okay. Revival happens. It's when these, the, there's these divine hours where the father glorifies Jesus. This is literally what happened to me in my car on 922, 2021 on a personal level. But I want to see this on a grand scheme. America is so poised for this as are many places in the world. But I really feel this. I feel like there's this urgency. I feel like we need to get this. It's a time for us to get a renewed biblical vision for revival um, for Jesus, the hours come to glorify the sun and we need it personally. We need it in our churches. We need it in our nations and he will do it. He will do it. And our prayers can, can move that. So I ask that you join me in praying that God will open up the heavens and open up our eyes and our hearts and wipe away our doubts and our unbeliefs and give us this awesome revelation of our son, of our son, of his son, of Jesus. See, the thing is, is that we are going to enter times of shaking and trial. We already see it. So if we do not have this, if we don't have, if we're not grounded and stabilized in this deeper revelation of who he is and his leadership and where he's ruling from, we will, we will fall. Like we will not be able to withstand it. We need it. So pray for it. Prayer is power. Prayer is earth and heaven meeting. 
Think about that. It's earth humans, weak humans communicating with a holy God of the universe of the whole world. Like it's amazing. So no matter where you're at in your journey, whether you're seeking a relationship with the Lord for the very first time, whether you're on fire and you have visions for mass revival like I do, or you're somewhere in between, he's waiting for you to come to him, to talk with him, and he will meet you there. He will meet you where you're at and he will take you as deep as you want to go. You can have as much of God as you desire. And I think that is such a beautiful reality. So friends, take this, take what you've been given, take what Jesus died for and talk to God, make it a part of your day. I do this in the mornings. Um, it can look different. It can be throughout your whole day, actually, you know, don't limit it. And if you're married, get together with your spouse and start praying together. There is power in that they've done. This is a whole nother topic, but they've done studies on this. The divorce rates for Christian couples and secular, you know, non non-believer couples is not that different, but the divorce rates for couples who pray together regularly, it's crazy. It, I don't remember the stats off the top of my head, but it's like so much less rates because prayer is power. All right. That's what I got for you today. Take this and run with it, friends.